Radiodrome. All right, it's episode 60 of Radiodrome. I, am, of course, am Josh Hadley. With me, of course, is BJ uh, Brad Jones. <laughs> I didn't mean to be insulting. And we have a couple of guests. We have Dane and Mike from The Mental Cast. Dane Forgione and Mike Riley, I should say, from The Mental Cast. Mike is no longer Okay, you guys are talking yeah, over I've each I've other. I've Mike first. This is always a problem on a Mountcast. <laughs> All right, now Dane. I have a friend back home also named Bad Jones. That's what we call him is BJ. So nothing new to me. <laughs> we, we Mike have... is no longer a radio drone virgin, so well done. Now, we have to address the kind of elephant in the room, right, Brad? Or I yeah, should say no, the elephant no, that's I, not in I, the room. I got I got rid of I got rid of the diary. It's all right. Oh, you mean something else? Okay. Oh, I was re- I was referring to Lloyd in the Rape Squad video, how he kept vanishing and appearing again. Yeah, what was up with that, Brad? Re- appearing and reappearing. Uh, well, we just he just kept hopping on Jillian's lap and then hopping him off and hopping off and then usually and usually in, with with Lloyd in a video if it's a vlog or if it's something like that. It's usually better to have him sit, to have him rested and sitting on your lap because he is a Siamese and he is very very talkative. So if he's kind of around the area <laughs> roaming around, he'll he'll start getting very vocal, which can mess up takes sometimes. So usually it's better if he's sitting on someone's lap. I thought it was actually pretty funny with you kind of wait what didn't you have a cat last time we cut back and then yeah. he's back again? I thought that was really funny. Yeah, I, I went ahead and just improvised that because I was like, well, it's going to look like he's just appearing and reappearing randomly. So I also like just, the fact that Jillian didn't even acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's used to Lloyd just appearing out of nowhere. I was watching the ending when Jillian's like, oh, so you want to have sex? And you were like, no. And I was waiting for you to like think for a second and be like, you know what? Yeah, sure. Let's go. <laughs> no way. We just got done watching Rape Squad. Actually, a surprisingly hilarious movie. Let, let's address the loss of Jared. We have to bring it up. Otherwise, rumors are going to start getting started, and that's the last thing we need. I don't know. Some of the rumors might be kind of funny. <laughs> they might be kind of funny, but I'm sure they're not, they wouldn't be beneficial. Jared Foyles was fired when the group found out he was half Italian. <clears throat> but wait a minute. Isn't Jillian full Italian? She- that's why, that's why we fired her from the show. Oh, okay. Well, she's never been on this show. She's on the other show. And she never will be. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of Jared, I've put out a lot of statements about it. Some, you know, it, at least as specific as I possibly can on it. You know, I mean, I helped Jared out with a lot of stuff over the years because he was my friend. He was starting a business and I, I, I advertised his, his business on the site. I, I helped him raise a lot of money and stuff like that and gave him some different different jobs to do at some cons and in filming stuff for me. That way he could put that on his label and, and stuff like, and and a lot of things like that. So, you know, very good friend of mine. Because of that, because he was so, because he was one of my best friends, there were about twenty or so instances where I had to do a lot of damage control over him i i people seen stuff in different message boards uh some different things he's put and that was seriously nothing compared to some of the stuff that i had to deal with at different conventions um in different forums and stuff like that i mean it was a headache and it was a nightmare and i did it because he was my friend and i enjoyed having him on the site and a lot of it i actually kept kept hidden from him because i thought it would upset him 
it got to the point towards the end where it started getting so bad that only half of my crew would work with him. Only about only about half of them would would could be on the same set with Jared, and I had to fix a lot of things on set several times. Uh, last weekend, I actually brought a lot of this stuff up to him. I said, look, there's been a lot of times in the past when blah, 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 blah. I started naming a bunch of instances and stuff like that because I wanted us to work on that. Um, and, and hopefully, it, you know, hopefully it wouldn't be such a headache for me in the future. That didn't go so well. <laughs> that that didn't go so that really didn't go so well between uh, between the two of us. And uh, I found out about another instance. Or I found out about another instance where he was talking to some fans. Which, which he does quite a bit, which is, which is cool. Um, he, he was talking to some fans and said a really, really, really horrific thing about Jillian. It was very, very bad. And I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like, oh, man, he called your wife a bitch. What? No, no, nothing, nothing like that. No, this was bad. Josh knows what I'm talking about. To me, the comment was out of line, but I'm trying to stay out of this as much as I can because I'm not there and it is between you two. I'm not trying to alleviate my own responsibility in in anything like the decision to remove Jared from this show. But mm-hmm. that to me was a mutual decision between you and I. We both agreed. I mean, Brad, you started this show. What am I going to fire you? <laughs> well, I, what I'm saying about this, about what he had said about Jilly and that, cause you saw what it, you saw what it was. So I'm trying to say yes. to you like it, it was a lot more than just like, oh, hey, your wife's a bitch. It blah, was blah, one blah. of those things that is you get to a certain point where you can't take something that hard back. Yeah. 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 That's that's what it was. So after that, I was done. Enough was enough. I was tired of it. I just couldn't do it anymore. And after that comment and you, honestly, you can go on some message boards and you can kind of see what the comment was. I think on the Geek Juice episode of Radio Drum on my site, somebody put what the comment was. But uh, so I just enough was enough. So I I let him go. It, it, <laughs> I think he is. I think he said something like he stepped down and now that's that's not true. I straight up told him he was gone. I, I just, I couldn't freaking do it anymore. So I'd had enough. And I, I said, I'm sorry, man, but that, that's it. You're, you're done. Dane, Mike, you guys got anything you want to add? Dane first. Cause be, because of the weird Skype delay, we're going to have to work out a system where I call on either one of you to avoid the talking over each other, or this is just going to sound like a mess. No problem. Well, I actually, I saw the comment section for uh, the geek juice episode. Mm-hmm. And not, not repeating anything. Please don't. Some of the things, some of the things that were said about Jared, I was like, oh, uh, that's, oh, oh, wow, that's very awkward. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I like Jared. I think he's a nice guy. So it's just like I'm kind of torn. Like eh, I don't know. I don't, some of these things are they exaggerated? I don't know. Whatever. I mean, they're not. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I knew Jared and Jillian hated each other, but I didn't know it was that bad. <laughs> I just knew they didn't get along. No, they haven't gotten along for a little while. I mean, that change-up video was played up. It was certainly played up, but in real life, they don't, they don't really get along. What about you, Mike? You got anything to add? Well, they've both been on the mental c- Jillian a lot more frequently than J- uh, Jared has, and to, mm-hmm. be fair, to be fair, I have any of this, any of these details until just today, so yeah. uh, after... These new details have come to light. Quite frankly, I would rather have Jillian on the mental cast a lot more often. She's actually contributing a great deal to the show, uh, which Jillian's I appreciate. A, so. She is a great personality. 
I mean, I mean, and I'm not just she's, saying that. I'm not just saying that because I'm not saying I'm not just saying that because she's my wife. I mean, I hear her, I hear Jillian on podcasts, and I'm like, holy, sh- holy crap, she's a lot more entertaining on these than I am. <laughs> I'm, kind of a, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a zombie. Jillian has energy. <laughs> Well, the way I put it was, you get her going, and this is a compliment. I've told this to her. You get yeah. her going, and her inner nerd girl totally comes out. Oh, God, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's an <laughs> absolute compliment towards Jillian. Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, like, yeah, some of those comments on the Geek Juice video were pretty dark. But it all turned out Josh's fans came back on the, the Rape Squad video. <laughs> Did they? I haven't. I didn't look at any of the comments on that. Are the guys still wanting to rape me? They're gonna form a squad or what? Yeah, yeah. Tennessee Franklin says, <laughs> uh, "I wish Josh Hadley was in this movie because, dear God, I want to see him get raped." I will not sing Jingle Bells. I don't care how much you ask. Frank I think Korn. It, left. it would take about four or five guys to rape Josh. There were <laughs> yeah. two. There were two more. Frank Co- Frank Corn leaves a comment that says, uh, "Oh wait, one guy left a comment and 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 agreed with what the other guy said." And then uh, Frank Korn says, looks like you should be first in line to give him the good proper effing that he needs. <laughs> and then then Big Black says, Big Black says, Ste-, he goes, step aside. I'm going to be the first one to F Josh in his big moly ass. Moly? <laughs> really? Where have these people seen pictures of my ass? How do they know it's, I mean, it's not moly. What the hell? Apparently, black- sorry, Josh. Maybe. Did you let Big Black screw you? No, I haven't yet. Hey, <laughs> how does he know what your ass looks like? There are photos out there. All right. So I'm sure he's seen the photos. You can't see my face in the video. Uh, it, uh what are you talking about, Brad? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just glad my comment section is uh, back to normal. Josh, you're getting very defensive. Is there something you want to tell us? It's supposed to be a bit, Dane. Are you going to ruin the bit? Really? I don't, I don't think it's a bit for Big Black Frank Corn and Tennessee Franklin. <laughs> it is for I, me. Yeah, I think to them it's real life. <laughs> well, I was going to give out my home address in this episode for the 42nd Street Forever DVD set contest. Mm-hmm. No, I'm a little afraid to. <laughs> Damn it, man. Brad, you got to ruin everything for me. It wasn't, it wasn't me. I know. I, I just leave it on the site without delete because since I don't delete comments, I just leave it on there. Oh no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want you to delete them because I am. <laughs> I am a huge proponent of free speech. As long yeah. as they're not actively saying nigger or something like that, as long as it's nothing that's actually defamation, I don't want that stuff taken down. I'm a free that's, speech that's, advocate. That's how I've always been. That, that's that, that's that's how I've always been with. As my long as nobody side. actually rapes me, I'm fine with it. Right. I mean, it can turn into kind of a madhouse sometimes on my site, but but hey, I'd I'd rather that I'd rather it be that than than take stuff down. Well, do you remember <laughs> the all the comments we got on the Cisco and Ebert episode? Oh yeah, that was insane. Yeah, that passed. Uh, that I think that got the most comments out of any episode. It's also the most downloaded episode out of the archives at Jackalope too. Oh right, people on. really liked that episode for some reason. That's cool. <laughs> I, I, maybe we should take on more 30-year-old TV episodes of uh, critics that no longer have any relevance, huh? <laughs> or still Here's what I think of the Ed Talks to God episode of Chico and the Man. Or <laughs> <laughs> that Different Strokes episode with the bike shop owner. Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, no. Because I will always think of him as Mr. Carlson from WKRP. I will not have that Different Strokes ruining my image of Mr. Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty really loud in my ass. Because <laughs> I mean, 
Brad, I think you can relate to this since you worked in radio, same as I did. Before you saw WKRP, it was a sitcom, right? And then after you worked in radio, you realized this thing was damn near a reality show, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, I felt the same way about, I've mentioned this on the show before, but I feel the same way about Play Misty for me. Uh, yeah, it's pretty intense, like, when you see it regardless. But after you work in radio, it's, oh, God, it's one of the scariest movies ever made. See, I haven't seen that since I worked in radio, so I wonder if my opinion would change. If I haven't seen that since I was, like, 14. So I wonder if I watched Play Misty for me again, if it would have a different impact on me. I've always liked Play Misty for me, and I've seen it twice. I saw it when I was, uh, I was probably 14, too, the first time I saw it. Um, I saw it on HBO, like, the the week it premiered or something like that. I rented it. I, I rented it from the video store. Yeah, I saw it when I was 14, and then I watched it again, like, while I was working in radio. And, yeah, it was like, holy crap, I get callers like this all the time. This movie's terrifying. <laughs> well, see, the thing with me about WKRP was I always, you know, I grew up watching it in syndication fine yeah. no problem oh yeah mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden i i worked at a station run by a son owned by a mom and the son was terrified of the mom and i'm going holy <laughs> i am working at wkrp with different call letters see exactly so to me it was creepy uh mm-hmm. dane, dane would like to say something apparently you are psychic what what would you say is the more realistic radio movie play misty for me or talk radio Fisher um, Fisher King. <laughs> he was a talk radio host. Oh, oh yeah, remember? Yeah, I distinctly remember go, going out and searching for the Holy Grail when I worked in radio. He didn't work in radio when he searched for the Holy Grail. He only worked in radio at the beginning of the movie. Uh, that's true. So yeah, the first so the first fifteen minutes are realistic. Um, yeah. I like that movie. Don't get me wrong. More real talk radio or play. They're both realistic in different ways. Talk radio. I'm not sure so much anymore. I think talk radio was more realistic in the early 90s. I think now that doesn't, that, well, that doesn't take away from. Well, right, but I'm just saying now that whole shock jock thing doesn't have the impact it used to. I agree with that, but, but certainly it is a reflection of that time in radio. So it is, it is a realistic movie. Sure. I mean, yeah, that it probably doesn't apply so much in today's world, but that doesn't take away from the realism that the movie had. All right, then, Brad, I'm going to throw in the TV show Midnight Caller into this. You're you're not going to throw in Hello, Larry? I don't remember Hello, Larry. I don't remember that one. You don't remember Hello, Larry? Really? That that one I don't remember. I I watched Midnight Caller all the time because Gary Cole is just awesome. I don't know if I've ever actually seen... I don't know if I've ever actually seen Midnight Caller. Um, It lasted four seasons. Gary Cole was a cop that accidentally killed his own partner. And uh, so he was forced off the police force, and then he became a late-night radio talk show host in, I think, Los Angeles or San Francisco. And then he okay. uses the radio show to help people through their problems. And with him being an ex-cop, he, you know, the, the pilot episode, he stops a serial killer. It, okay. it lasted four seasons. It was a pretty decent show for the late 80s. I don't think I, I, don't think I saw it. I You'd don't think love I saw it. Midnight Brad, Caller. you would love Midnight Caller. Oh, I'm sure I would. I'm, I'm sure I would. The, uh, Hello, Larry was the one. Uh, it lasted a couple of seasons. It was the one with McLean Stevenson. Uh, um, I don't remember that at all. It's it's. Uh, I'm actually surprised you. I mean, I'm not surprised you haven't seen. I'm gonna it. go I'm look su- for it I'm, now. I'm surprised. I'm actually the reason. One of the reasons why I'm surprised you've never heard of it is uh, it usually makes the list of the worst TV shows of all time. No, I really want to see it. Oh yeah, I've 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 seen it. It's. I mean, it's not great, but I've seen worse. 
you know which one I really did like, and we will get to our guests. I'm not ignoring Dane and Mike. Just Brad and I go off on tangents. Yeah. The one I, right. uh, the, the one I really liked a lot that everybody crapped on was the new WKRP. The one that came out in 91. I don't think I saw the new WKRP. It, it starred um, uh, the guy from Third Rock from the Sun and Stargate. Uh, I, I can't remember his name I'm right French now. French Stewart. Yeah, yeah, fr- French Stewart. It had like three cast members from the original WKRP. It had Tony Katane. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Legro guest starred in an episode, and it was pretty decent. But for whatever reason, I, I think it was that well, it's not the real WKRP, so we're going to hate this show, even though it's the same humor updated for the early 90s. Huh. Like There was one episode where there was a huge controversy over whether they had the right to play Ice-T or Body Count's cop killer on the radio the same as they would any kind of like uh, right-wing song. And, and, you know, the big constitutional issue was just like the old WKRP, it took on issues yeah. as well as being funny. And I loved the new WKRP in Cincinnati, and everybody puts that on one of the worst spinoffs of all time. And it's like, oh, screw you. Some people who write lists like that, the worst spinoffs of all time, I think they're they're basing it on how long it lasted versus having actually seen the show. I, I see those lists about the worst spinoffs of all time, and... I'm like, are you putting it on there because you actually think it's bad, or are you putting it on there just because it only lasted a season? Number one, Aftermath. Okay, yeah, Aftermath yeah. was, was bad in... though. I did not like Aftermath. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. But, but yeah, like after Aftermath is always on there. Um, yeah, what is usually always on there? The Palace. Um, the man called Hawk. Uh, no Booker. way! Man called Hawk and Booker. I loved both those shows. Yeah, I'm trying to think of two instances in, in, that the, that are shows I actually liked, and I was like, are these actually on there just because they lasted like only a season? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I like Booker and I like Man Called Hawk. Well, and then there's also the case of like Baywatch Nights. Baywatch Which Nights is... hasn't been shown anywhere in America. Since the late 90s. All these Mm. people making these lists, I guarantee they've never seen an episode of Baywatch Nights. And then you're comparing it to Baywatch. You're kind of comparing crap to crap, aren't you? Honestly, I'm sorry. Baywatch Nights is far superior to regular Baywatch. Oh, yes. Absolutely. It's so much more fun to see Mitch going after vampires and monsters from the deep and ancient evil. It is. Or even when it was a pseudo-detective show in the first season, to to watch him trying to protect an aged rock band or catch a serial killer than it is watching him rescue an overturned boat. (laughs) It's just far more interesting to me. Asian rock band? Aging rock band. Oh, I was going to say, that that must have been an interesting episode. No, no, no. <laughs> Aging. It, <laughs> it, was, was, it was supposed to be like a, a Beach Boys type band. It was Mitch and Wild Zero. <laughs> <laughs> it was the band Loudness. Bad 80s metal crap. <laughs> I remember that. I thought you liked bad 80s metal. I do, but not all bad 80s metal. I like bad 80s metal certain groups. There are ones even I can't stand, like Leatherwolf. Yeah. Steelheart? Even I can't listen to that crap, Brad. <laughs> Have any of you three guys seen the story of Anvil? Is that a Parts movie? Parts of it. Yeah, it. It's a documentary on this rock band called Anvil. Oh, oh, no, huh? I've seen they, parts of it. They they do a concert in Germany in a club. I actually already told Josh this, but I'll send this out to Brad and Michael. Guess how many people were in the audience for their concert? Five. Two. None. Two. <laughs> And this is a band that put out albums that sold 
tens of thousands of copies and they're still around and it's one of those no one seems to care anymore kind of things. Oh, wow. It's actually kind of a depressing watch, honestly. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. these guys are, they're pushing through. They're not giving up, but they're just well, that's not good. getting anywhere either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As long as they still got some spirit. Okay, <laughs> since we got the 42nd Street Forever DVDs to give away at the end mm-hmm. of this show, I'm going to ask each one of you individually to avoid the talking over part. What do you think of all these trailer comps? Do you think that they're good for, for, for showing the younger generation the types of movies that Brad and I have said this so many times they just don't make anymore? Or do you think it's kind of a tease since three-quarters of the movies on most of these comps are unavailable even on VHS that it's teasing you with a really cool movie you're never going to find a print of? Brad? Yeah, um, I I used to have some trailer comps back when I had my uh, my collection. I'm like, back then it was easier for me to back then it was easier for me to go to whatever store here in town and find those kind of movies anyway. But you know, sometimes I'd be sitting there and I'd want to buy some stuff, and you know, off the top, I I think off the top of my head, I'm like, oh, I want this one. Oh, wait, I already have it. Uh, do I want this? I don't really want that one. So yeah, these trailer comps would be really good for maybe some stuff that I. I'd forgotten about or maybe just hadn't come across and I would go ahead and order some. Oh, and also they make the trailer comp DVDs. Honestly, make, they also make really good background. If you're having a party, if you're having a party and you throw that in there and have it on in the background, especially if you have a big TV, you know, that, that can be pretty fun. But I also do agree with the other point that you made because it was something that kind of annoyed me. It was something that kind of annoyed me sometimes. And that is, when there would be something on there that sure is a very, very fun trailer, but it would be kind of annoying when I couldn't actually find a copy of the movie. And in some cases, these some of these movies never even got D, uh, VHS releases, let alone yeah. DVD releases. Mm-hmm. you got to find an old bootleg off of television in some cases. Right, right. Uh-huh. What about you, Mike? Uh, yeah, I agree. It totally seems like a tease, uh, especially if you can't find because. A lot of video stores are even closing down anymore. It's going the way of the dodo at this point, not to use an old euphemism, but you're not going to be able to find a lot of those VHSs. Uh, so it seems more like a tease to me. Well, I, I love trailer compilations. They're probably my favorite type of DVD release, especially like if they talk about horror movies from the 70s and 80s, just to see like the, the hodgepodge of crappy movies and good movies that came mm-hmm. out in that, those decades. And it's really just, it's very interesting to see, like, see these trailers and think, wow, studios actually greenlit things like this? Well, see, right there I'm going to have issues with you, Dane. Most of these were not studios. You'd be surprised on these trailer comps how few of these have a Paramount or a 20th Century Fox logo on these. These are mostly indies. That's why these insane-ass movies got made there was nobody to say no we're not giving you the money for this mm-hmm. well there was there was one particular one that i remember it was this woman with this these absolutely ginormous breasts and she was like a secret agent and her weapon was she smothered enemies to death with special her special agent double d or something like that yes special, uh, yeah joe yeah, bob briggs put that one out on dvd with a commentary i think that's the one that most people emit because i 
it's it's funny you bring that up because I think that's the trailer that most people go to when they think in their head when people when someone says hey oh the exploitation movie trailer compilations and I've run into several people and me included that that is like the trailer that immediately pops up in your head. Well, because she really had big boobs, man. What, Good what was God, that woman's man. name? It's on the Jillian my... Zarowski. <laughs> yes, it was Jillian Zarowski. <laughs> um, because let, somebody see. had to make the joke. Yeah. So, sooner or later, might as well be your husband, huh? <laughs> right. Might as well be your husband that makes the joke. <laughs> I, I've already asked Brad this, so I'm gonna leave you out of this questionnaire, Brad. But for Mike and Dane, in that order, please. Have either of you guys seen the 42nd Street Forever sets? There are five volumes at this point. I haven't. Uh, not yet. Okay, what about you, Dane? <laughs> I have the first two sets. Well, we're going to be we're giving away, might as well do it now, we're going to be giving away all five. Ooh. But here's... Nice. Yes. Uh-huh. So, and each of these go for about 20 bucks a piece, so it's about $100 worth of DVDs we're going to be giving away in one lump here. But because of how cool these are and because... I'm basically a Luddite. I'm going to make all you sons of bitches out there work for these things. You will pump my ass. <laughs> I said work, not not play. <laughs> big no. Black, you are disqualified from this contest. So He just... would totally win. <laughs> I, 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 have, I have a feeling his name's one of those overcompensation things. <laughs> I have a feeling he's probably small white. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but so he's like uh, Rick Ashley, basically. Ha. Rick roll. <clears throat> but here's what you guys got to do. You have to send me a letter, not an email. You have to actually send a letter through the post office to my address explaining to me why you think you should get this $100 DVD set. Now, it can either be funny, it can be begging, it can be pleading, there can be bribes, but there can only be one winner. You have to send a physical letter to me at Josh Hadley, 529 West Maple Street, Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, 54235. And you'll have one month from the date this airs to get those letters to me. I just figured it's 100 bucks worth of DVDs. I'm not going to have people cheating with an email. I want them to work for this. I want to know. You know, the, the people who deserve this, Brad, are the people who will actually go out and mail a letter. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. So you I'm going to make you all work for these. You know you're going to have some smart asses who are going to, like, write you a letter, you open it up, and all of this is somebody wrote the letter J, and they're like, that's not what I meant, you morons! <laughs> if, if that's the funniest one, they'll win. You know, I mean, like I said, these people can try and be funny, they can try and beg, they can threaten me. Whatever they want to do, whatever they, yeah. grabs me the the most, whether it makes me laugh or maybe it's all sobby and it makes me cry, and I send them the set. That they will depend on what email. you people write. What's that? So if they mail an email. Well, as long as it comes in the <laughs> mail, I guess. You know, it'd be really funny if you said the people don't even know what a post office is. So. <laughs> well, and also, we forgot to do the Adam and Eve promo, so I'm going to slip that in here. If people want to go to adamandeve.com and use the promo code DROME to get 50% off of a single item, which they could send to me, three free DVDs, a special mystery gift, and free shipping, they could send me something from adamandeve.com using the promo code DROME. Maybe that. I said bribes are okay. Best bribe will win, but if the bribe sucks, you're not winning. <laughs> are, are we supposed to put that promo at the very beginning of the show? 
We are, but since I totally forgot, I was going to do it at the end of the show and then edit it in, but I figured screw it one time. I don't think they'll bitch if we screwed it up one time. Oh, man. Uh, Dear Mr. Hadley, I think Mr. Abraham Lincoln wants you to pick me. Yeah. Dear Josh's ass, open wide. <laughs> That's only if it's Big Black or Frank Corn. <laughs> I don't like the I- and I don't like the fact that Frank Corn that he's got corn in there, and corn is the one thing that your ass never seems to break down properly. Ooh, I don't remember eating any corn. <laughs> I, haven't had, I haven't had corn in months. <laughs> the same thing happens with peanut butter crunch and cocoa puffs. You know, you'll eat, you'll get full peanut butter crunch things in your crap, and you go, I you swear I chewed those. I swear I chewed that when I was it went down. say, do you swallow your peanut butter crunch whole? No, somehow it reforms in your stomach. <laughs> Brandon, Josh is like a vacuum cleaner. That would be funny if someone sat there and ate, had a glass of milk and just swallowed peanut butter crunch whole like pills. Well, I, I have this weird feeling now that we've moved on to this topic. Someone's going to send me a piece of in the mail or something. <laughs> Although I will warn you right now, legally that does constitute a threat. I, if it's delicious. I'm not going to be eating it. <laughs> why, so, is this, why is this envelope soggy? Yeah, oh, so I, I am going to tell you guys, if you do send me things like dead animals or a piece of shit, that will constitute a threat. You guys can send me joke stuff. I don't mind that. If you just, you know, like you want to send me all the, the, the lint from your dryer thing, if you think that's what will win you the contest, go for it. What about what about poo log is sh- shaped like a dead animal? <laughs> <laughs> that that's genius. I'm not saying it's not genius, but it would be doubly threatening. <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm, Brad, I'm not crapping on your idea. Yeah. What if they send you a poo poo platter? <laughs> nah. But, but I'm just saying, I want... Are you sure about mental cast right now? <laughs> no, you're not. But I, I, re- I really I really do want people to, to enter this contest. I want to see who's willing to actually spend... What the hell is a stamp anymore? 48 cents? God, I don't know. I don't even I... know what a damn stamp... I just always go to the post office and have them do it electronically. I don't know what a damn stamp is anymore. I can't tell you the... I mean, I, I know we have stamps here because Jillian has some, but... I can't tell you the last time I bought a stamp. So the, okay. only, the only times I'm ever, the only times I ever really mail out a letter, at least sometimes anyway, is just if it's like a contract for a con or something like that. Picture it, Springfield, 1982. Most people have, uh, most people have forever a stamp, forever stamps. So those don't even have the price on them. They go with the inflation of the price. But I don't even know what a forever stamp costs when they bought it. That's what I'm saying. So I want to see who's right. actually willing to write a letter, put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, and go to the post office to mail it. Those are the people that really want this set and deserve this set. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to tell everybody, they're, they're all factory sealed, except for volumes two and three, because I could hear the DVDs were loose. So I had to open those to try and save those from getting damaged with the sliding all around in the case. So mm-hmm. those two are open, but they're still new. Oh, he's he's lying. He just he slipped in copies of Lawnmower Man too. I Job's have, War. Right yeah. on. I have lawn, <laughs> I, I have a Lawnmower Man Lawnmower Man two box set, <laughs> which uh, which which New Line Home Video will not give me a refund on because they lied to me. In three days, I will be in every system in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that it jumps like what seven years in the future, and the kid hasn't aged a day. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I, I really like that part where all of a sudden we go from our world, what was the first movie, 94, 93, something like that? Something like that. And all of a sudden we're in the early 2000s and we become Blade Runner all of a sudden? Yeah. What the heck? That's a hell of a tech jump right there. Where was Pierce Brosnan in the second one, damn it? <laughs> didn't he get killed in the first one? I can't remember. It's been so no, long since I've seen it. In, he didn't get killed. In, was his character in the second one? No. Like, I know Pierce Brosnan wasn't. Right. I, no, his character wasn't. And then all of a okay. sudden, Matt Frewer takes over as Job. For, yeah, I, yeah, no, yeah, I, I love that. Matt Frewer. Don't get me wrong. I love Matt Frewer. But oh, me too. there was no Pierce reason Brosnan. he should have ever said yes to that part. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan was actually James Bond by that point, wasn't he? Possibly. Yeah, I think he, like I think he was. Because I remember seeing the trailer for Lawnmower Man 2 in front of um, From Dusk Till Dawn, and that was like 96? 96, 97, Somewhere so Pierce Brosnan would have been Bond. Yeah, by I, that. Think, I think GoldenEye was 96. Yeah, GoldenEye, I think, was 90. Yeah, it was 95. Well, see, I, I, got, I, got, mad go. at, I got mad at that box set. The, the box set, it's got the different extras listed for each movie. And all the extras are there for Lawnmower Man. All the deleted scenes, the commentary, etc. For Lawnmower mm. Man 2, it says theatrical trailer, deleted scenes, commentary track. Okay, fine. Nothing but the movie. That, no trailer, that... no commentary. So I emailed New Line and complained about it. They said, well, you have to email the studio. I emailed them. They say, well, you have to email New Line. And I'm like, all right, these guys are putting me in a circle jerk here. I'm never going to get my damn Lawnmower Man 2 commentary, am I? That happened to me on. I mean, I never wrote to anyone about it. But that that happened to me on the uh, the Bad Lieutenant DVD, the Harvey Keitel one. Yeah, the trailer's um, not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I had the same thing. It's the only extra is theatrical trailer, and it's not there. It's not even an Easter egg hidden on it somewhere. Right. I looked. I looked forever for like it to be an Easter egg. Like nothing. Well, uh, the the JFK one did that as well. It lists the History Channel documentary Beyond JFK as yeah. one of the extras. It's not there at all. But the Laserdisc has that documentary. Something must have happened after they printed up the box that they lost the rights to it or something. Because mm -hmm. it clearly lists that History Channel doc that's not there, but the Laserdisc has the History Channel documentary on it. I thought that was really strange. All right, Dane is raising his hand. He would like to speak. Is there anybody who was really clamoring for a commentary for Job's War? I would Me? love to listen to a commentary for that. Me oh, too. Hell yeah, on on stuff like that. Especially I'm if all... it's serious, Brad. Especially if the guy's like, "Here's why we made this decision," and he's not doing it jokey. Oh yeah, yeah. If, if you if you watch this scene, you can see Matt Frewer farting and sniffing his own farts, <laughs> and he likes it. It was more interesting than filming this scene. Oh. Yeah, I am. I am all for audio commentaries on stuff like that. Yeah, I, I am. I'm a. I, I would pay for it. That's one reason because I, I already have both Lawnmower Man one and two on Laserdisc. Mm -hmm. So when I saw the box set, I was just like, eh, what the hell? And then I see, oh, it's got extras that are not on the Laserdisc. Yes, I'll buy this for three bucks. And yeah. then, all, and then all my extras I get cheated on. It's like, you son of a bitch and liars. Okay, here's a. Why don't we just throw this out one at a time? Let's talk about our favorite DVD commentary tracks. Um, I'm a big fan of, um, Giovanni Lombardo Radice on, uh, the Cannibal Ferox one. Why? Uh, because he's, he, he's one, very, very funny, and two, says everything that is so wrong about that movie. 
he uh, starts out by going like, uh, what can I say about this movie? Except I hate it. And it just kind of, it sort of goes from there. And I, I, I can't remember a lot of things specifically because it's been a few years since I watched it, but it's a very funny commentary track. For me, it would. Ha- I don't know if I could pick a specific one because I like different commentaries for different reasons. Like the the, yeah, the, I hear you. the commentary on SLC Punk is really fun, really informative, but it's also not really taking it seriously. Where if it was just James Marandino sitting down without Matthew Lillard or Michael Gorgian, I think he would have talked about the origins and whatnot. But that doesn't mean it's not a fun commentary. I really like that. On the same token, if you ever listen to an Oliver Stone commentary, he gets so deep into motivation, it becomes film school-like. Yeah. So, you know, I like different commentaries for different reasons. I don't know if I could pick a specific one. I loved uh, Carrot Top's commentary on Rules of Attraction. Oh, God. That was that was funny as hell because he's because he'd never seen the movie before. (laughs) Okay, before we get to Dane and Mike, I do want to say there's one thing I hate about commentary tracks. Joke commentary tracks that are funny for about five minutes, but they do for the whole movie. I'm looking at you, Bubba Hotep. I'm looking at you, Space Jam. I'm Orgasmo. Lo- uh, do they do that with Orgasmo? I there know- was a joke. There was a joke commentary track. It was like a. It was like a revolving door commentary, and on the outside, like it looked like it might be kind of funny because it said revolving door commentary with uh like Dave Foley, Weird Al Yankovic. Kevin Smith and a few other people and it was like, well that's kind of interesting. I put it on and it was all just bits. It was a like it was all just stupid like sketch bits that they were doing. And then towards the last half of it they they had someone come on who was supposed to be Akira Kurosawa and like John Houston and stuff like that. Like this isn't funny. Well, do you, you want to know what's not funny? I loved Bubba Hotep. Try mm. watching Bruce Campbell's commentary as Elderly Elvis. It's painful after about five minutes that Bruce try- does this for a full hour and a half. I'm trying to think of a joke commentary track that I'm because I, yeah, technically the yeah, technically the, the the carrot top one is, but it's not really a bit. I mean, it's genuine. He's sitting there just watching it and making comments, and I thought it was was really funny. It wasn't it wasn't anything like he was playing a character or there were any scripted bits or anything like that. I mean, so it was, it was genuine, but uh, a, a comedy joke commentary. I've I've seen it on episodes of shows that I like because there's a commentary on an episode of it's always sunny where they do it in character and that I thought was funny. But we're talking like that, that that's 20 minutes long, you know. The, the worst it's, one, to me, the worst offender, offender was Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. They do the whole thing as if the movie were real and, and they dramatize the events based on classified material they got from the in, in, Institute. And that's so painful. Well, and then this part we had to change because the real Buckaroo didn't want his real girlfriend shown and all this. And it's like, oh, my God, you're going to do this the whole time, aren't you? And that was oh, that just, sucks. Yeah, that's just painful to try I and love, sit through. Uh, you know who's – I can't believe this didn't pop into my head. Who's, I love, love, love uh, Lloyd Kaufman's commentary tracks. Well, yeah, because he's both weirdly half serious and not. Yeah, and he does it right. He does it insanely well because you sit there like that. That could be true. I think it might be. Yeah, he, he always <laughs> he always has this. When I read his book, 
I act, you got to remember, I had not seen Toxic Avenger 4 yet. And he yeah. told some of the stories about like replacing the actor with Toxie with a huge black guy when the actor wouldn't come in. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's clearly made up. And then I watch the extras on the DVD and I go, wow, that was actually true. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, Mike, your favorite commentary or your favorite style, since I didn't pick a, a per- specific favorite either. Well, I do agree with you in that it's hard to nail down one specific commentary that I actually really liked. Uh, I liked Mel Brooks' commentary for Young Frankenstein, but that's because he's Mel Brooks and he's that was a good that was a good one though too. Uh, I also dug David Fincher and Brad Pitt on Seven, but not Morgan Freeman because he was very obviously cut into the commentary track later. That didn't really gel well for me. But I did enjoy listening. Try and find a bootleg of the laser disc commentary for Seven. It's a totally different commentary. They talk about radically different things. It's Fincher, Pitt, and Freeman, and it's an absolutely different commentary that they did not port to the DVD. So try and find a copy of the Laserdisc commentary for I, Seven. I have heard about that, and I will try to find a copy of it. Malcolm what about you, Dale on Caligula? That's a great one. Please tell me he doesn't do it in character. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's you know he he you know he does it as himself, and it's it it's incredibly funny. Okay, what about you, Dane? Uh, well, I enjoyed the Evil Dead 2 commentary. Which one? They've only released it like nine times now. <laughs> it had Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, and a couple of the special effects guys. They're on all of them. I mean, which release? They do a different commentary every time they release the damn movie. Oh, jeez. I'm not going to make this, I'm not going to make this easy on you. I'm not. I guess the Anchor Bay one? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Anchor Bay only released four of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which Anchor Bay one? I'm just uh, I'm just totally in, in the mood to just I'm not gonna let Dane get a serious word off. I just don't know why. <laughs> See, Dane, at least at least I picked a movie that only had two different commentaries. <laughs> there was one one of the commentary tracks on Caligula. The, the, there's three commentary tracks on Caligula: one with Malcolm McDowell, one with Helen Mirren, and the third one is one of the uh, like he either worked on sets or script or something like that. Uh, but anyway, it was recorded over speakerphone. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I also like the uh, Driller Killer commentary with. Abe oh, that was that was fucking insane. I've never, Ooh, I've never ending. heard. I didn't shoot that ending. What I, I've never, I've never heard the commentary on that one. It's go go ahead, Dane. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with you on on this he's, one. It's, he's drunk off his butt. Yeah, <laughs> you well, can barely understand what he's saying. Jason like gets... Muse is just, he actually passes out on the clerk's commentary. He's so drunk or high, he actually passes out at one point, and they just start making fun of him while talking about the movie. <laughs> I was Abel Ferrara on the clerk's commentary. I no, said Jason Muse. Jason Muse. Oh, okay. I was about to say, like, that's... That oh, was... man, Abel Ferrara doing clerk's commentary? That that might be pretty funny. <laughs> Who's this Silent Bob guy? I don't remember Silent Bob. Oh, Silent Bob guy. Yeah. I'm listening. Like I put on the commentary for Driller Killer, and for the first like 20 seconds, I'm like, oh, it sounds like he's doing a like a Marlon Brando impression or something. I'm like, oh God, that's actually how he's talking here. He's drunk <laughs> as hell. <laughs> well, then, ones I don't, I really don't like. Did you listen hear ever hear the commentary for Savage Streets? No, I only have that one on VHS. Well, uh, um, the commentary. The director is so old, he doesn't remember anything. Literally, the moderator is telling him all the stories, and he's just, okay, yeah, yeah, I think that's how we did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pointless. The Why director's, would even have... Yeah, he's so old, he doesn't even remember shooting the damn movie. 
I mean, it's one thing to have him give like an interview or something like that, and he's he's sort of saying some of those things, you know. But to actually like a full length movie commentary, yeah. And, well, and, one, and then uh, he keeps going off because you know that movie's got lots of sleaze and boobs and stuff. He just yeah. keeps going off. At one point, when a guy's feeling up, one of the gang members is feeling up some random chick's tits. He goes, "Oh, that actor's so lucky." Just what the hell was that? I can I can see it working if he makes it funny. If, 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 I don't if think that had, was meant to be funny. I think that was meant to be dirty old man. Yeah, like if if someone in that position where they directed something or they were in something that for some reason or another, be it old age, be it drugs, doesn't remember the movie, I can picture that working if it's if they make it funny, you know, if 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 they make it somewhat humorous. One of the uh, Twilight Zone commentaries was Mickey Rooney and this film historian. And, like, the film historian keeps asking Mickey Rooney questions, and he's like, I don't remember. I don't remember, okay? I hated the Twilight Zone. This is horrible, so shut up. See, the, the, <laughs> one, the ones I don't get are, I, I'm sure it's not cheap to record a commentary track, especially for, like, a big-budget film. Yeah. But I don't understand why they can't be somewhat edited. The very first release of Boogie Nights, the commentary, at one point, Paul Thomas Anderson says, I have to go to the bathroom. I'll be back in a few minutes. And the movie just plays for five minutes until he comes back from the bathroom. And I'm like, you couldn't have just paused and picked up when he came back? That a, question the background. a similar thing happens on the Cannibal the Musical commentary because Trey Parker, Matt Stone, I think Dean Bacar is there and a couple of others they're getting drunk as they're watching the movie and then they're talking. And at one point the audio of the commentary track just drops, just, just goes away. So I'm sitting there for like five minutes trying to figure like, did I sit on something? Did I accidentally push the button? What the hell happened? So I'm fasting forward. I fast forward it like several minutes and then it picks up again, several, several minutes later where they say like, oh, sorry, we accidentally we accidentally switched off the thing. We accidentally knocked over the sound thing or something like that. And you couldn't do retakes? <laughs> they did something similar on the SL, SLC Punk commentary. Matthew Lillard oversleeps, so he doesn't come in till halfway through the movie. He's like, hey, guys, sorry I'm late. I overslept. And then he just yeah. starts talking, and the Michael Gorgian's got a plane to catch, so he leaves. You're like, really? An hour and a half? <laughs> you guys can't budget an hour and a half to just do this in one goddamn take? <laughs> it can't be that difficult. What would you guys say are commentaries that you wish that people would do? Movies that are either maybe the whole cast and crew are dead, so you're never going to get it. I'm going to ask each one of you individually what movie you really want a commentary for that you're probably never going to get. Mike? Mm, I, if I had to pick a movie, I... Like repeating and going to Mel Brooks route again, but I want to. I wanted to hear a commentary of History of the World Part One. Okay, Dane. But there are a couple of the cast members in that, that are dead. Most. I want to hear a commentary for Town and Country just to see how bad the actors had a time of it. I, I'm with you on that one. I'm totally with you there. <laughs> Is that going to be your pick, Brad, or you got a, you got a separate pick? Um, a cu I got a couple. Uh, I would totally listen. Uh, listen, listen to a Town and Country one. I would listen to a Heaven's Gate one. Which cut? <laughs> I think the most widely available cut is the the, the uh, 219 minute one, either or, you know. So the, that would be interesting. And also, like, I would like to hear some from directors who like refuse to do commentary tracks. Like, I think 
I think Tarantino doesn't do commentary tracks, I think. He did. Um, I know at least my Pulp Fiction Laserdisc has a commentary by him. It does? Okay, then maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I mean, maybe uh, that didn't make the DVD, but at least the Laserdisc does. Okay, because I... Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, but I... I know I David see... Lynch won't. Yeah, 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 David Lynch won't. Uh, hearing some David Lynch ones like Blue Velvet, Eraserhead, Lost High, Mulholland Drive, you know, stuff like that. Dune. Um, I, I don't, Dune, Dune would be, oh yeah, a David Lynch commentary on Dune, totally. Then I would love to hear it. And God, maybe I'm wrong and I just didn't see it on the freaking DVD, but I swear there wasn't an audio commentary track on the Jackie Brown DVD. I think there might be, but crap maybe i'm wrong because, maybe uh, i'm wrong maybe not the original release but they got a two disc special edition that's the one that's i had maybe, i don't i, I can't remember. remember tarantino i couldn't remember tarantino being on it but god i i might be wrong one that i want you know i know i'm weird in liking this is my favorite film in the franchise but screw all of you i want to hear a roger corman commentary on godzilla 1985 oh hell yeah you know i on his be, version interesting on his version of why he made the changes he did, on why Raymond Burr was so uninterested in being there, the blatant Dr. Pepper advertising, the mm -hmm. strange choices, I want to hear Corman talk about Godzilla 1985 American version. Yeah. I'd, I'd love like, that. I'd like to hear the surviving musicians that were performed on The Last Waltz, the Martin Scorsese documentary. Or, or maybe we could use a Ouija board and get Orson Welles to comment on Citizen Kane. Yes. Let's get just do some Nicolas Cage commentaries. <laughs> so, all right, we got to wrap this up. <laughs> so, where can we find Mike and Dane? Since you guys are on the same show, I'm grouping you together. Metalcast.com, and our 200th episode is actually on March 13th. So, and, there you go. And, and, and hey, Dane still hey, owes Brad you points. Be on the 200th episode? Brad wasn't <laughs> oh, paying attention. I'm sorry, I'm cutting out. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I'd be up for that as long as Dane's going to award points where, where they're necessary. Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll award the points. I'll award the points right now, just to get it out of the way. <laughs> so, Brad Jones, we find you thecinemasnob.com, and you can find me at my new website, twelve oh one beyond dot com, or email me at twelve oh one beyond at gmail dot com. And remember, enter the contest, write a goddamn letter. Night. Mm -hmm.